podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. What's going on, everyone? Before we hop into the show, which this week is my conversation with Derek Young from K-State Online, I have the most exciting news because the Boneheads are some of the greatest podcast fans out there. We have officially joined the big leagues. That's right. We have a brand new sponsor. It's our new best friends over at SeatGeek. Let them take the confusion out of your ticket buying experience. Instead of shopping on dozens of sites, a bunch of fake imitators, you need to go to one spot to get the best deal, and SeatGeek does that work for you. Their app scans the entire internet for the best deals for every single one of your favorite games. You can also use them to go to concerts and shows. They're going to even rate these deals on a scale of 1 to 10 for you to let you know when you're really getting a great deal. Yellow dots, they're all right. Red dots, stay away. You got to go for those green dots, my friends. Use promo code ACAA at checkout to receive 20 bucks off your first purchase. That's basically two free beers if you're going to a Royals game or Sporting Kansas City. Again, that's promo code ACAA for that $20 off your first purchase. SeatGeek, life's an event, and we have tickets. Welcome to the big time, Boneheads. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. Ooh, Bosco's boys. Come on, boys. Bosco's boys are back. Derek Young is with us. I'm switching it up. I accidentally screwed up the last ad read, uh, which is stupid because my bookie's been riding with us for you know close to six months now. Promo code Boys25. That's gonna be giving you a 50% deposit bonus. You can bet on the NBA playoffs. Derek, who would you pick to win the NBA playoffs right now? I like the Raptors because I think if they come out of the East, they're probably best suited to take down the Warriors. I love it. I love it. I, I would go with Milwaukee right now. For me, it's anyone but Golden State. Um, so if you guys want to gamble on that, the Masters will be over by the time you listen to this, actually. But there's other go- golf stuff you can gamble on. You can gamble on literally anything there, including Game of Thrones, which also would have started by the time you're listening to this. But literally anything, it's a spot to be. They've been riding with us for the longest time. Uh, you know, they're our friends. They should be your friends. Follow them on social media. They respond to every DM, every tweet. They are the spot that Bosco's boys go to gamble. So you heard it. It's Derek Young. Derek Young is in the house. He is the brains, beauty, and the senior recruiting analyst over at K-State Online. Derek, how are you doing? I'm good. I don't know if I would go with beauty, but I'll take everything else. Though. I mean, it's obviously not Matt. <laughs> Does Natalie do enough with you guys to qualify? Yeah, we'll give her that. Okay, all right, because it's definitely not Flando either. So um, so you're stepping in. Grant is, you know, he's quit. Um, hate to break to all the boneheads, but he's had enough. No, really, he's just having a busy week at work. Derek Young, 
very nicely said he would step in and help us out. Um, I had this nice, pretty outline, but there was some breaking news. Uh, by the time everyone's listening to this, it's not going to be as breaking, but uh, tell us about the uh, sad injury that occurred this week at spring practice. Yeah, I think it happened Monday night at practice, uh, which would have been the practice we were at, so that happened after you know we were instructed to leave. We got the 20, first 20 minutes of availability, but Justin Hughes... Uh, I'll just say a lower body injury that'll that'll force him out probably for the rest of the year. Um, I don't foresee a scenario where he'll be, you know, healthy in time to make it back. So he'll probably be without the services of linebacker Justin Hughes this year, which will end his 2019 season. And you have to wonder what it means for his future. This was already his sixth year because he was originally a gray shirt. So I know it's still super early to talk about maybe a, a seventh year since he did gray shirt, but can you inform us what the process would be if he did try to get that medical hardship waiver? Can he even begin that until the end of the season? Because I don't even know what the process is anymore. Yeah, the, the process is pretty difficult to understand anymore. I feel like everyone gets a, a waiver to transfer without having to sit out a year, so it, it's really difficult to kind of determine what it's going to be like but he will probably have difficulty getting the waiver just because um, if you've already used the red shirt I think you have to have like a reason for two, 200 years I'm not sure that he'll be able to do that I hope he can I think he deserves it and you also have to wonder what his desire to do so is um, not a whole lot of people want to stick around college for seven years he would have to do that so you have to worry about wonder about what his desire to even pursue that would be but i'd imagine that the process would begin after the season but i'm not totally certain so everyone was thinking he was going to be one of the guys on the defense he definitely is going to be one of the stars at the linebacking core um coach Klein and i believe uh scotty hazelton as well were saying they loved him then they were also saying we were going to predominantly be in a two-backer set most of the Big 12 is. So now with him out, who is going to step into that starting role? And now the lack of depth at linebacker really is starting to rear its head. Who might be seeing a little more uh, playing time than originally thought now? They have a lack of depth at quite a few spots. Linebacker may not have been one of them just because you're only going to play two primarily in the Big 12 against those offenses, even Bill Snyder's defenses. With Tom Hayes, the coordinator, Blake's Howard coordinator, they play two linebacker probably over 50% of the time. So, I mean, you can get by with seven or eight linebackers, especially when you can count on count on three. They, I mean, they, could, they felt like they could count on Justin Hughes, count on Elijah Sullivan, count on Daquan Patton, and perhaps count on Cody Fletcher, who played spot duty last year. Um, and then they're still trying to work Daniel Green along. So, at, at the second linebacker spot, it's going to be Elijah Sullivan or Daquan Patton. The, the, the mystery will be... Or, what they got to figure out is do they want to try one of those two at the inside linebacker position that was going to be manned by Justin Hughes, or do they try to integrate someone like Daniel Green? Well, as someone who predicted last year's Daniel Green being the sleeper underclassman, I would like to see him play. Obviously, that wasn't happening last year, and I think uh, I don't think I'm being too bold in saying this. I don't think Daniel Green would probably even be an option if Bill Snyder and Co. were still around. I think he uh, fit that prototypical athlete who maybe struggled a little bit with the playbook, but hopefully we don't see that quite as much this year. Um, I am going to move on a little bit from the linebacker stuff. 
Uh, as always, I'm, I'm going to give you guys your first plug of the night. Case Online, you guys have been covering this. It was on your guys' website a good six hours before it broke on Twitter, before you decided to, you know, set Twitter on fire. Uh, so that's where I found it out. Um, second shout out of the day, we're going live right now from Limitless Brewing down here in Lenexa, Kansas. Uh, my beer of the pot is uh, Beer de Garda, and you have the Saison. Oh, this yeah. is my neck of the woods. Exactly. So Derek Young came up to uh, Double Shift to make it a little bit easier on us the last time. So I decided I'd come down here. Uh, you know, if you're down Lenexa, Johnson County area, this is my favorite brewery down here on the Kansas side of the metro so far. So be sure to give them a, uh, you know, a visit. They have uh, pizza and trivia, so... We can't be here too late. Uh, they, they don't want us taking up space for trivia. Uh, so we'll get into it. And uh, the first question I had for, for you, this is something that I probably am better at than you and I have more experience than you, but you recently have become a target by KU fans online. Um, so you've actually been declared public enemy number one by a couple of KU fans on Twitter. What did you do to trigger them so bad? It was just a recruiting, uh, I think it was a recruiting notebook. It was more or less, you know, along the lines of, I think I, there was a prospect from Louisiana, Tanner Hooker, and, you know, I, I spoke to him and talked to other people that were informed about his recruitment, K-State, related to K-State and not related to K-State, and I kind of got the impression, and was bluntly told, you know, he probably had a better visit to K-State than he did to KU. And that was something that was a little bit surprising, because even I expected... KU to have uh, more success in the New Orleans area than K-State and Cream Trail because of Les Miles, and I think that's logical. Les Miles should dominate in that area. He coached there. I mean, uh, he recruited there in Louisiana. was very kind to him while he was the head coach at LSU. And, yeah, they did not take too kindly to it. Um, I think the, the KU premium message board was uh, yeah, they're, they're pretty upset about it, too. There's a thread on their premium message board dedicated just to hating on me so i did you know someone made me aware of that and i did say thanks for the free rent yeah i i, I absolutely love it uh if bosco's boys knows one thing it's how to troll on the internet so i'm you're, and you're more we're intentional to too. iowa state though. yes iowa state fans don't like us although i got in some hot water with some ku fans during this basketball season as well but uh if you need some tips if you want to get a little deeper in their head we'll uh talk off mic because I don't want to give away all my secrets. I will say, you know, kudos to Les Miles because at least KU fans actually care enough to get mad at me now. That is, that is true. And so they, this also... They were hating on me last year. No, they, they weren't. And I, here's a question. Again, it, was, it wasn't in the uh, outline uh, and it's not even about K-State, but what is your opinion on them bringing Rick Ross into their spring game? I, mean, I, I think it's a good move. I, it's a good move. It is. And I'm not going to knock it because it, it is a good move. I don't know what the results of it or, you know, I don't know how you're going to be able to quantify it. But it's a good move. Just in general, I, I mean, I don't typically go for those kinds of gizmos and gadgets and all that kind of fanfare of, of recruiting in, in that way because it's, it's similar to the basketball stuff they do at late night, obviously, which is you know, a resounding success for them every year. I will say they are selling the heck and promoting the heck out of their program right now. They're, they're, they're using social media as a weapon just like K-State is, and they're being very successful at it too. And, and that's why they're recruiting well, and they are recruiting well, just like K-State they're full of good recruiters. These two programs right now are recruiting unlike their fans have seen in, in quite a long time. It's not bringing 
you know, instant results for either program, but it will if they, you know, continue this up. So KU, their marketing program right now, just like A-State, is, you know, it's very effective. So this was a question I was going to ask a little bit later, but the conversation has gone this way. I I have seen early on both staffs have come in. Uh, Les Miles is a lot of flash, and me being a K-State fan, I would say hopefully not a lot of substance. I think K-State's staff is a little more substance than flash, but they're going to go head-to-head in quite a few areas. I had three kind of recruiting states that I, I foresee that they're – there's going to be some overlap. There's going to be some battles. And I would like you to take me through, and you can keep everything as general as you want because, hey, you have premium stuff. If people want the real premium info, go to KSA Online. But as, as detailed as you want to give me, how is the battle playing out in the state of Kansas, first off? Um, well, I think I'd be remiss if I didn't say KU was kind of out front just from a results standpoint. They got uh, a tight end, his name is escaping me right now. He's the Bishop Miege? The Johnson County. No, Shawnee Mission South. Will no, Shawnee Mission. Will oh, Huggins. yeah, yeah. Okay. Will Huggins. And uh, K-State didn't offer him, but you know what? They got uh, Devontae Harden. They got him because they saw him on quarterback, but you know what? They got him. And that was a head-to-head when it gets K-State. You know, K-State was the time on quarterback. At the end of the day, who got him? KU did. So, instant gratification tells you KU's winning. Um, I think that it'll probably fairly even at the end of the day. Maybe K-State a slight edge if I'm projecting them to get who they could get, such as, you know, Malik Berry, uh, Hayden Pauls, Alex Kahn. They're they're probably in better shape for those those prospects than KU. KU obviously not really interested in Malik Berry because they got Devontae Hardy. So um, right now I'd take KU if it's a slight edge. I don't think it's going to remain that way, but they're doing a very good job. And, and I can't just, you know, play the agenda here of being going K-State Homer or going complete KU Troll. Um, I'd like to, it's fun, but KU is, they're, they're being effective right now in the recruiting trail, and it is with a lot of flash and dash and less substance, but they're selling this Miles Celebrity, which is probably the right move, because why else did they hire him? Exactly. Um, do you think this will be a long-term uh, successful play for them in the state of Kansas? I, I would guess that over the course of time, some of the high school programs and coaches will uh, see that uh, ploy for what it is. And again, you, you know, if if they win, then hey, winning solves everything. But do you think this is something that, say, both programs have relative success and it's not through the roof? Do you think eventually the substance and the long-term relationship building that I believe the K-State staff is doing will help out? Or how long will Les Miles' celebrity carry him through? Yeah, I think K-State's is probably more sustainable, but Les Miles' celebrity, his flash, it'll carry him as long as it breeds results. Um, like, obviously, if he's still trying to sell celebrity after, you know, three or four, one or two win seasons in a row, then it's going to fall in that fears. It's not really going to be a celebrity anymore. So it'll, it'll still pack a punch if it's starting to put results in the football field. Definitely. So we already touched on Louisiana, so uh, you don't have to go as far in depth on this, but how is K-State faring in that state? Uh, because I believe the guys who used to recruit Louisiana, they are, they're gone. Blake is gone, and, uh, you know, I, did Andre Coleman do anything in the South, or was it all Georgia. Blake? He did Georgia. Okay, but Louisiana, Blake's gone, uh, but we still seem to be playing ball in that state, and obviously Les Miles is going to. 
what has the head-to-head matchup looked like? Is it just that one recruit, or is there more guys that both uh, t- staffs will be going after? So far, it's just that one recruit. They're, they're going to meet head-to-head on more than that, though, at the end of the day. But that that's still probably to be determined, and I would still imagine, if I'm making a prediction, that, that I, and I still feel... I still feel like Les Miles should win that one, especially since Kansas State's best recruiter in the state of Louisiana is Mount West Virginia and Blake Siler. I think Malone and Anderson are going to give it a whirl in the state of Louisiana, and they're probably going to be effective from time to time. Um, that's what good recruiters do. But at the end of the day, it's when you got Les Miles' history and parents, he should win Louisiana, and I expect him to. And then finally, the last territory state I want to touch on is probably the most important state for any you know, Big 12 school, and it was the, stat, the state that a lot of K-State fans worried about when we brought in climbing, and it is Texas. Um, first off, tell us how generally how well K-State's doing in Texas right now, and then how is it comparing going head-to-head with less miles, and maybe even more than just less miles, but all these new coaches that are now in the Big 12. Yeah, I mean, he's going to do well in Texas, too. They got Shadis Jackson. Um, he's, he's a really good recruiter. The guy from Tech, the, the receiver's coach, Emmett Jones. Emmett Jones dominates Texas as well. He's their ace recruiter in Texas, kind of like K-State's ace recruiter in Texas is Bay Malone. K-State's doing really good in Texas. Their, their message is permeating. Um, it's like it never missed a step, never missed a beat. So I have no concerns with K-State in Texas. I think they're still going to be fine. They're still going to land some probably – few bigger fish than they typically do in the state of Texas. I like the chances for, like, an example would be Trent Pullen and Waco. Um, they're battling Arkansas. I think it's pretty tight. I tend to think they might have a slight edge, but the longer it goes on, the you know, the more uneasy you get because the, that's the longer you have to battle. But I think they're in the ball game and I would give them a slight edge. Who knows? And then JoJo Wilson's another one out of Houston. Van Malone's probably a little bit more effective in Houston than he is Dallas. But they're going to have success in both places. And Joe Klanderman's a guy that's recruiting Texas for K-State now. That's the first time he's been down in Texas, right? Yeah, he's never recruited Texas before. He's already turning out results in terms of visits. Now visits, you want them to result in commitments at some point. But this is as much as you can ask for, at least in early going, especially for a guy that in his coaching career, and it's a short-term one, he's the least accomplished coach on the staff. He's only recruited Minnesota, Wisconsin, and I think Chicago. So this is a big step for him. But the early indications are that he's definitely up to the cap. Definitely. Um, and I love hearing all that type of stuff. It, it, it really will be interesting to see the two staffs battle back and forth. Um, we're going to get back into recruiting a we'll little bit. in Oklahoma, too. Yeah, that, that's well. And right, since you brought it up, who is K-State getting? You know, obviously we only have the one uh, one commitment, but are they getting the visits and getting some of that? You know, stronghold in Oklahoma uh, that that the, the staff desires, and are they you know outperforming KU when it comes to visits out of the Sooner State as well? Yeah, I think they're outperforming KU in Oklahoma. I think that one is probably a little bit more decided. I'm not sure how much KU is going to play in Oklahoma. They're probably going to get at least one guy there because Deuce Mayberry is the brother of the Mayberry that's already on the team, so they'll probably have a chance on that one. But uh, just in general, K-State's probably doing a little bit better than Oklahoma, probably a lot better than Oklahoma. But Jason Ray from there with the Broken Arrow High School is clear there, coached at Oklahoma State. So that is a territory that, in comparison to KU, he should dominate. And I think 
in relation to KU, at least in 2020. I like early times. Now, they couldn't keep Gavin, Gavin Potter, and he went to KU. It's a talk good, about a troll. Yeah, talk and I, I respect that move. I love that move. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, it didn't go K State's way, but man, I respect. I, I, I respect the troll game. It was a good troll game. I don't respect recruits doing it that way, but it was a good troll. I will say that. Um, so outside of that one, so the result wise, I guess you got to say, hey, K is doing better. But I think if you really dig deep into recruiting, I think in terms of K-State versus KU and Oklahoma, I like K-State's chances. And they're really, really attacking the state of Oklahoma. I don't know. I'd have to look into it. I don't know if Oklahoma is a little bit more talented this year than typical or that they're just going to recruit that state more than even Bill Snyder did. They probably offered close to 10 kids from Oklahoma. I was just about to ask, is Oklahoma, along with probably California, the two states that this staff is attacking a little bit more than the previous? Just in general, I mean, you, they're kind of attacking it, everything a little bit more. Uh, in general, and that's, that's not a slide. I mean, they've offered kids in Utah, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Illinois, Indiana, James Gillard from Indiana. Um, they've offered like five kids from Washington. That's you know, just different. Well, yeah, and, and, and I really believe that the old staff, it, they truly stuck to territories and didn't venture outside that. And you said it. I mean, this staff, you know, they're going to find talent and offer it anywhere. So that's exciting. I'm sure that makes your job busier than it's been since you hopped on the K-State beat. Yeah, I mean, they just they just offered a quarterback from Pennsylvania. They've offered a quarterback from Ohio, which is where I'm from. So it's kind of um, – and they've offered a quarterback in California. So they've offered – Quarterbacks all the way from California to Pennsylvania. They're right. already talking to a current freshman in Kansas, right? Yeah, that, that was Henry Martin, but he's he's the real deal. Well, yeah, I I, I I agree. I think I had a post on the message where I said that's either going to be the you know highest uh, watched and heralded K State football recruit of all time, or it's going to result in one of the biggest meltdowns of all time. Yeah, that's so. it's going to be. And people are already following that recruitment like he's a senior now and he's only a freshman, so that one's going to have a lot of eyes on it. Well, yeah, so it's it's going to be a fun one to follow. Like I said, we'll get into recruiting a little bit later. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about spring practice so far because unlike you know the previous years, you guys are getting a little bit of access. So this is, we're recording this before the spring showcase. It's going to get published afterwards because you know it's the off season uh, schedule, but. You know, what what do we have or what do you have that you can draw on from this year's spring practice? And what has really kind of tickled your interest uh, on the, you know, bits of information you've gotten to see and hear come out of practice? It's probably what's probably the most prominent thing that I've kind of learned would just be how, how rough, thin, um, ineffective they are right now at a few positions and the staff's kind of and, and it's a good point to make and the staff will just be brutally honest in some cases which is probably one observation to make as well and then just what positions they're, like, they're making progress or the staff obviously feels pretty good about um, running back uh, it, it definitely doesn't we knew it wasn't going to be it's just as bad maybe worse they have, they have one that they can rely on, I think, in James Gilbert, and they're bringing Harry Trotter along, and that one's becoming a little bit more promising, but still probably needs a little bit more work. 
And then they're not sure what they have right now outside of those two. And they're still bringing along everyone else. But in terms of just like, man, we really, really feel good about someone there, it's probably just one. And last year was probably three or four. Um, the Trotters probably close to. Um, I haven't got a lot. I haven't seen a lot yet, and hopefully we'll see more. The the spring showcase on Saturday, which has already happened by by the time you're listening to this. Um, And and then tight end, that's another position that needs a little bit more reinforcements as well. Um, I think they like their offensive line. They're they're okay with it. Um, They probably worry a little bit if they lose a guy or two. But in general, oh, probably feel okay about it. They love their wide receivers. And I do too. And it's kind of weird because last year it's like, man, what's going on with this group? And now it's like, because Malik Knowles came on late and because Hunter Rison's now eligible. And yeah, you add those two to the, to the picture. And you have Isaiah Zuber and Dalton Schoen still, and you feel really good about it because they have the experience and they've still been effective, and they don't even have to start at this point. So that's why you feel really good about that. And why King Gill is he's not your typical walk-on. He's someone that can actually contribute, and you hope Sebastian Taylor gets up there at some point as well. Uh, you brought up why King Gill. I want to give a shout-out to my buddy Dylan Sawyer. He's the biggest walking Gill fan uh, in the world, so he's going to love that you gave him a shout-out. Um, yeah, and, and what's crazy is you, you brought it up. Wide receiver is the position people were maybe most down about last year, and it's crazy how, you know, time changes just about everything when it comes to this football roster. Yeah, and then at quarterback, they obviously feel great about it. They love Skylar Thompson. They think he's a stud. He probably is. And hopefully that uh, manifests itself a little bit more during the season this year than we did the prior two. And that kind of, I guess, I guess finishes out what they think about the offense still bring along the backup quarterbacks. Probably not a whole lot else to say at that point. Defensively, I think they really, really like two positions, and that's probably safeties, which I didn't go into spring football thinking that. I went into spring football saying, hey, wide receivers are probably going to be pretty good. Quarterback is going to be pretty good. Ox line's okay. Tight end running back. And that's how, kind of how it's uh, happened. And, and even though maybe some is a little bit better than we thought or some is a little worse than we thought. Safety's a little bit of a surprise. I think they think that they have a really good safety group, and it's probably not something I was anticipating hearing. And that's because Jonathan Alexander's come on, come in right away, and he's looked apart right away. Wayne Jones looks like he's taken the year one to year two leaps. Um, do any of those start in place of... Kendall Adams, we'll see. Denzel Goolsby's still there. Um, he's obviously going to start the one in the, safe, the strong safety spot. So free safety's up for grabs. Is it going to be Alexander? Is it going to be Wayne Jones? They feel really good about both. Plus, Jerome McPherson played decent in spot duty last year. So that's four safeties that they probably, at least three, they feel like they can rely on, and, and maybe a four. Uh, corner, I don't think they hate the corner spot. They probably think okay. They probably wish they had more, uh, more that they could count on. Outside of just AJ Parker, and and then they probably feel like they're almost there with Keyvon McGee, and maybe almost there with two guys that maybe end up at nickel, Walter Neal and Lance Robinson. So, so that's why they're going back and forth with corner and nickel. Lance Robinson is primarily a cornerback now. Uh, linebacker was at least for the starters in a promising position. Now you kind of have to wonder because you're going to probably end up playing someone either as the third linebacker or the second linebacker that you, 
you were hoping that you could develop a little bit more before they had to see the field because of the Justin Hughes injury. And with the defensive line, they had a lot. They really liked the defensive ends, and I've liked their defensive ends for a while. Um, Kyle Ball is what he is. He's, he's going to be your lunch pail guy, kind of do what he does, um, and still be effective, but probably not be super flashy or super athletic. Uh, Reggie Walker, you got to keep hoping he keeps taking the next step. He's probably similar to Kyle Ball, another lunch pail guy, just someone that works hard that probably isn't the most gifted or the most athletic, but I got to bring his lunch pail every day and just get the job done for the most part. You're going to get complete effort out of those two guys, which is why you are still kind of high on them. Why do it's the beast where you hope that he can unleash a little bit more and become that, you know, guy that just you know, is crazy productive and hits all the numbers. Boo Massey, I hope, becomes the premier pass rusher that he can be. And then that's four guys that you feel really good about. Uh, they're going to play a lot of defensive lines, so that's a good thing. Defensive tackles, I think they seem to be okay with. I'm not as high on him, so yeah. the jury's still and out to me. But, of course, you're at least going to have a three-year starter in trade show. Yep. I, you know, I've gone through this with a lot of my buddies as well. I think K-State on the front end, on the one spot on the depth chart, at least as we sit here in spring, it's not as dire as, you know, some of the alarmists would say. That's when you start getting that two and three across the entire roster. Uh, they just can't afford an injury almost anywhere on the field. They can't. They've already had a big one in the spring. They almost got through spring without one. And that's going to make it you know, even more difficult. And I can't imagine if they go through an entire season without another key injury or two, you'd have to hit the lottery to do that. Yeah, it, football is football. Um, the next thing I want to touch on, you can you know, make this quick because I know there's a million differences, but what would you say the biggest difference between spring ball under Bill Snyder and spring ball under Chris Kleiman is? Hmm, that's a tough one. I haven't really sat down and, and clearly thought about it. Probably a little less physicality you know, or you know, they're not they have a lot of guys in red jerseys a lot of guys that they're just they're a little bit more cautious they're not going to risk an injury in the spring not that Bill Steiner risked an injury per se but I don't think he was as cautious or you know as preventative as the staff has been so I think that sticks out quite a bit um just the overwhelming amount of recruiting visitors that they have at seemingly every practice. And then, uh, you know, just not really how they conduct practice, but just the access that's granted. We didn't really get to watch practice much. We've probably got to see a combined 40 minutes so far. And this is on, you know, we're, we're at Thursday, today, Wednesday. Yeah, today is Wednesday. I've actually thought it was Thursday almost yeah. all week. As I, we're sitting here on Wednesday before the spring showcase. We've only seen 40 minutes of practice. So we're not getting a bunch of new access in terms of seeing things. A little bit more than we saw last year, but having much more, a much more access to actual people. We've talked to assistant coaches probably four times a piece at least. So that that's probably been a stark contrast as well. Definitely. And two things we've heard come out of spring practice in the last couple of weeks are two position moves. Uh, Sammy Wheeler, who was a, you know, a message board favorite at quarterback for a while, he's moving to tight end, and DJ Render's moving from wide receiver to safety, right, in the defensive backfield safety? 
Yeah, they said it's experimental for now. It's certainly, he had a white jersey on instead of a purple. Purple's offense, white's defense. He had a white jersey on, and, and he's not flipping back and forth. He's staying on defense, and he's even going to stay on defense the last three or four practices, Coach Kleinman said. So even though Coach Kleinman said it was experimental, you're probably determined, you know, if it's worth it. But if they're really going to dedicate and commit themselves this much, um, yeah, I think it's probably permanent. Because Jordan Robertson is another one. Uh, he's a defensive tackle for Dave State. He played some offensive line a little bit this spring. But he hasn't gone there and stayed there. He's bounced back and forth a few times. So you wonder that that might not be permanent. But Renner seems permanent. It's not like they put him back in offense again. Definitely. So between him and Sammy Wheeler, do you think either of those two are going to see uh, meaningful snaps in the regular season at these new positions? I'd say no on Render, just because, as you know, we, we talked about on this podcast already, they feel pretty good about their safeties already. So maybe in a year or two, Render gets there. They're just trying to figure out what he can do to help this football team a little bit quicker or a little bit better because he wasn't going to do that wide receiver. That's simply what it was. And the same thing for the team Wheeler. He wasn't going to help Kansas State as a quarterback. He has a kid's help a tight end. Wheeler has a chance to help a tight end this year. If, if, there, if you're going to take one gamble on a guy that's a, that some, no one's talking about, says, oh, that he actually plays this year and plays some meaningful downs that no one's really come out and said it so far, it's probably Sammy Wheeler at tight end. Just because the tight end, and it's not a, not trying to knock the scoop completely, but it's not difficult to jump some of the guys there enough to play. Especially since they're going to be playing, you know, more double tight end sets than the previous regime. Yeah, they'll, they'll play more double tight end sets, or at least they want to. Yes, they want to. They want we'll, to. We'll see if they're able to. Yeah, and Sam Wheeler is probably more of an athlete than Blaze Gannon, so he's going to be a little bit more effective in certain roles than Blaze Gannon would. Um, certainly Spencer Misco, too. Um, Blaze Gannon is probably one of their better blocking tight ends. Um, he needs to improve what he did last year, but... That's his role. He's probably not going to be the pass catcher, a guy like Spencer Miskill or Sam Wheeler to be. We all know and probably expect Nick Lenners is going to be tight end one. He was on. Everyone, we all thought he was on track to have a pretty good season last year before he tore his ACL in the first game of the season. So hopefully he can. He's almost 100% now. Hopefully he has the season this year that we thought he was going to have last season. But as far as tight end two, Blaze game is still going to play a considerable amount and be that blocker. I think there's a role there for someone else, and that's probably where someone like Stephen Wheeler could surprise some people. I just want to see a tight end pass play, so I, I want to get tricky with uh, some of those trick plays, and Sammy Wheeler can give that to you. Um, you mentioned that you guys have gotten a lot more access with the assistant coaches. Has it been mainly coach speak? Uh, but if not, what has been one or two quotes that have really stuck out to you that you were surprised came out of an assistant coach's mouth? I mean, you're always going to get a, some coach speak, but it has been. I wouldn't say mainly coach speak. You get some brutal honesty. I asked Courtney Messingham, you know, hey, why is Sammy Wheeler a tight end now? And he said, well, he wasn't going to play quarterback like ever. <laughs> I was like, all right, but fair enough. So uh, you get some brutal honesty like that. I mean, Coach Kleiman, even at one point, said, someone asked him about, or I asked him, it was me again. So apparently I bring out the brutal honesty in his coaches. I asked Coach Kleiman about Lance Robinson. I was like, is he primarily a corner right now. As you guys, you know, listeners are listening, Lance Robinson started at Nickelback as a true freshman in a couple of games last year. Now he got to keep his red shirt because he didn't play more than four games, but he started 
a game or two at nickel. He's not playing nickel anymore. He's, he's just a corner. I asked Chris Klein about that. He's like, well, I didn't want him to learn corner and nickel because when I had him learning corner and learning nickel, he was just average, and we needed more than average. So, I mean, those are the types of comments where we're just not trained to not react yet. We react to those types of comments because we're not conditioned to that being normal. So those kind of, those stick out. Uh, Coach Messingham, again, he's kind of the, maybe the king of this a little bit. And uh, someone asked him about Malik Knowles. And, and Malik Knowles played four games last year, too. The main team is redshirt, but played as a true freshman and, and was pretty good in flashes. And Coach Messingham says he needs to, you know, learn the, the finer details of the game and care about the details before he can contribute in the Big 12. Which is, that's kind of, you know, it was an eye-opener because they don't, that, that was the first time we had anyone speak critically about a player at all. And for it to be someone that we all thought, hey, this probably probably a starting wide receiver was a little eye-opening. So, yeah, stuff like that. that you know, obviously, those are examples. It isn't just coach speak. I can probably, you know, think of a few more. You get this, I call him a little bit of a soundbite guy. That's Coach Malone. You know, he lives for a soundbite. So, I mean, you can look at some of the, or watch some of our Coach Malone videos on YouTube, our KSO YouTube channel, you can subscribe to and get up and get you know, notifications when we have a video pop up there. You can have coffee with Chris Lowry and stuff like that. But you go and watch some of those Coach Malone videos, and he's he's really good. And he's I think he's a guy that that is savvy enough to know that when you're you're being asked questions by the media and it's a press conference, you can use that as a recruiting tool too, and he does. I love it. I love Coach Malone. I love him on Twitter. What I will do is I will link to Queso's YouTube page in the description of this video because what you guys are putting out is amazing. Not only do you have all the, you know, car washes, you'd say, with all the assistant coaches, you guys are putting up the full uh, Chris Kleiman press conferences, and uh, it, it's it's wonderful to be able to, you know, go to you guys' YouTube page and see everything you're putting out. Um just real quick, is it kind of a fun question? Which is the number one assistant coach feels the most comfortable amongst the media with taking questions? Coach Riley is pretty comfortable. He, he, he jumps up. Uh, he loves to talk. Like, so is Coach Malone. But Coach Riley is very long winded. Um, so th- those two kind of jump off the page. Coach Riley, Coach Malone. Coach Clyde's not there yet. Um, he does it, and he's getting better at it. But I wouldn't think he doesn't still doesn't strike me as someone that loves it. But he comes from the Coach Schneider tree a little bit, so I'm not sure he'll ever be there. Coach Anderson's a little different. Um, he's a guy. He likes to sit down. Yeah, he's chill. He's very relaxed. I don't think he hates it. I'm not sure he would say that he loves it or enjoys it. But he likes to just relax, and it's just been you know another day at the park for him. So he's a little bit different. Uh, Coach Ray very serious. He's all about his business. He's another one I can think of right now. It just came to my head, and it was an interview with Matt Matt Hall, he's dating a line. And uh, Matt asked him, you know, you play an offensive scheme that's very run-heavy. You play in an offensive style that uses two wide receiver formations over 50% of the time. This they did in North Dakota State. How do you sell that to wide receiver recruits? I mean, how do you get a good wide receiver recruit to come? Because you know that's going to be negative recruited against and has been 
and the it's work. That's why they're struggling with Daniel Jackson and Jason Ray. You know, very bluntly says, well, I have, do they want to win? That's the result. You know what I mean? I mean, at some point, winning has to be a part of it. He's like, do they want to win? I mean, we, everyone wants to get the ball. Everybody, we get that. But winning still trumps all. And so that, you could tell he, he almost, he probably heard that criticism before or had brought that up to him before. So that was a prepared recruiting pitch that he knew exactly how to answer it as soon as Matt asked it. So, uh, but yeah, he's a very serious guy. Coach Messingham, more charismatic. I think Coach Messingham actually enjoys it. So Messingham, Riley, Malone, those come to mind. Uh, Coach Wyatt. I think he, I think he likes it quite a bit too. I don't think too he likes it, because <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he's much more comfortable. We saw it in my cup. He's much more comfortable on a football field. Oh yeah, he's got. definitely. He's a, he's a, he's a business type of guy. So Coach Hazelton's really, really good at it. But he swears up and down he doesn't like it. But he's one of the best. Oh yeah, I, I loved his press conference. Uh, real quick, if if Kenny Lanou is listening to this right now, and he's going to grant Bosco's boys one sit down with one assistant coach, excluding Taylor Bratt because Taylor wants to come on really bad. Shout out Taylor. I know you're listening. Shoot me a text. You know, let's let's you know trade tips on purple shoes. Um, who should we go after? Um, because you know our brand. You you know we like to have yeah, a little I know fun. your brand. So I'm trying to think. Coach, Coach Hazelton would fit. I know he doesn't. For some reason, he doesn't like it, but, man, he'd fit. Coach Hazelton would fit. So, so would uh, – I'm trying to think. I think we'd have fun with Van Malone. We'd have fun with Van Malone. I'm not sure he strikes me as a beer guy. That That is true. That is true. Uh, sadly, you know, Gene Taylor has not let us bring beer into veneer onto Case Athletic premises. So uh, we'd have to get him off off the premises if we're going to get him with beer. But I think Scotty Hazelton, he would he would uh, bring his own, you know, case of natty, I think, <laughs> yeah, yeah. with a shotgun. Yeah, Bush Light and a shotgun, case of natty, Keystone, something like that in a shotgun. Keystone was my college beer. Hey, it was mine too. It was mine too. They have Keystone Ice down a black case. Ooh. Well, they always did, but yeah. But I, I saw one of those. Walk into a party with those? Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, so, so we'll get back a little bit into recruiting. Um, some of the people on the boards on Twitter, they've kind of given you know mixed reviews of uh, the 2020 recruiting class so far. There's only the one commit. If you just strictly yes or no, pass or fail, what would you give their 2020 uh, recruiting right now? Pass or fail? No in-betweens. I think I'd say fail. Um, I think I think it's eventually going to be a pass, but at this point, um, one commit, um, and they're not losing a bunch of their targets at other places. The only one that really strikes me is Kai Thomas. Not the time I had, I don't know if anything comes to your mind either. Kai Thomas in Minnesota in terms of top tar- targets, is, but but yeah, the least commits in the league, and it's one commit. We're in the middle of April. I can't really justify still saying pass, even though I think that the process is still what it needs to be. At what point, so I'm kind of getting that vibe, and you've set it on KSO, that's not time to panic or anything like that, but at, at what point would it hit on the calendar where you only have the one commit, where you would at least in private say, okay, you know, I would be panicking if this was, you know, if I was a fan or if I was a coach. We're probably getting there. Probably pretty close. I don't know if we're wide there yet, but it's pretty close. 
Well, um, that makes me uh, that makes me a little nervous. <laughs> but but we'll move on. We'll, we we will t- talk about Nate, the one uh, the one commit. You know, Olathe East kid. So really you know, you know, not far from here. Um, so who did K State really beat out for his commitment, or was it? Did we really own that recruitment from beginning to end? They owned it from beginning to end. He wanted to give other schools a shot. It was his recruitment. You only get one of them, but he was. You know, I've been told stories about it. You're looking inside the Malak home, and there's K State stuff everywhere. So I don't think there was much of a mystery at any point. Okay, you took a swing. Syracuse, of all teams, was just strangely came into Kansas City and took a swing. Dino I, Babers, man. He, he swings a big stick. And I, I think I. Technically, Iowa didn't offer, but I think that had more to do with them realizing that it was probably a lost cause because they really won it. Definitely. So you, you know, a couple months ago or maybe just a month ago, you put out your own Kansas Preps top ten. Where did Nate land in your personal top ten Kansas recruits for 2020? Overall in the state of Kansas, only behind Daniel Jackson and Turner Corpus. Just saying something. I think that there's a fringe five-star prospect in this class in Turner Corcoran, and I think there's three fringe four-star prospects in this class with the receiver, Daniel Jackson, a And that's really assuming that he can bounce back and be completely healthy. He had a pretty bad injury last year. Um, Nate Matlack, uh, Kansas State commit from LAP East, and Hayden Pauls, which they're hoping like heck they still get. Iowa State's making it tough. Oklahoma State, I don't think, because they're in the picture anymore. Iowa might be. So it's, that's a recruitment that keeps wavering and back forth. The good thing is the one school that keeps staying in and not falling out is K-State, but you got to wonder you got to close or you're giving other schools a chance to close. So that concerns me a little bit. But Hayden Paul's is number four. But I like Nate Malak. He's got good measurables, good size. He's got a frame, 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, He's only 215, 220 right now. With that frame, he can get to 250, 260. All right, he looks 250, 260. He's as good as he is. Malak could probably be more than that. He's got a 6.5 frame. But the only 250, 260. And he probably... Athletically, right now, is ahead of what Huber was at this point. So that's why I'm pretty high on what he can do at the next level. And he had a really good junior film that I think people are sleeping on. So you, you laid out why you like him so much. What would be the one thing you would say that you hope he improves on or he can develop between you know now the summer before his senior season and uh, the summer when he arrives on campus. Just wait, straight, because he's only 215, 220. That's, if that doesn't come, then he's not going to realize his potential. So um, he's very athletic. He's long. He's explosive. Um, he works on his craft all the time. Very hard worker. So I don't. Yeah. I don't have concerns about his work ethic or his quickness or his height or his length. A lot of the things that you need to become a defensive end, I don't have concerns about it. He is going to have to be able to put on bulk, add all that necessary strength while maintaining that athleticism. Assuming he could do that, that's why I'm as high on him as I am. Definitely. So uh, you actually touched on this in the premium YouTube chat last night. And again, you don't need to give away any of the you know premium information behind the paywall. I think all the boneheads know uh, if they want the best premium information, they need to go to K-State online. But 
there are seven of the top ten Kansas prospects still uncommitted. And I, I personally believe this is one of the best Kansas prep classes in football, uh, you know, in a really long time. Of those seven that remain uncommitted, how many do you think K-State could realistically grab up in this 2020 class? So what are the three that are at this point? Harden at KU? Yep, Harden at KU, Kai Thomas at Minnesota, which you've gone on the record and say you would you would be surprised if he actually signs on the dotted line, correct? With Minnesota, I, there would be some surprise there, yeah. I think if I was a betting man, that'd be a good gamble. Yep, and then uh, Nate. Yeah, exactly, at my bookie. I don't know if that's up there. Then uh, Nate Matlack is at K-State. So there's seven left on the table. Um, How many do you think K-State could realistically think they could grab? And, you know, would that be seen as a success in your eye as well? You don't have to do names. We can do numbers. You can take this however you want. Doing names will make it easier. It's fine. I think everyone realizes that it should be just a matter of time for Malik Barry out of Free State. Um, but he shouldn't play the final too long. So you go like that one. That's one of the seven. Daniel Jackson, no. So one of two. Alex Khan, gun to my head, I say K-State right now. Two of three. But so should I update my rival's prediction? You don't have time. I haven't I haven't made a prediction on him yet. I, I, I have a really high success rate. I don't make my prediction on a lot of folks. So I, I wait until basically you're saying, hey, this might happen, and then I rush in there and change it before their okay. their profile picks up. So I would I wouldn't go bold on Khan yet, but because I think it's gonna play out for a little while longer. But they can realistically hope to get him. He's realistic. Nate Pauls is realistic. Malik Barry is realistic. So, and Dale Jackson is not. So that's three or four. Turner Corcoran is not. Three or five. Or two more left. Crow's on there. He hasn't got off. Tazon Crow, dude's back in yep. He's going to have to prove himself at camp. I would leave him out at the moment. Would that be a similar situation to the uh, young man who was at St. Thomas Aquinas who ended up at KU? I'm blanking on his name, the one who wouldn't run. Oh, Jaden Russell. Yes. So is he in a similar situation where he schools are wanting him to really prove it to him while he's camping to get that offer? Yes. Or is it a different type of... No, no. He's going to have to camp over the summer and prove himself, kind of like Jaden Russell had to. The, pro, the, the difference would be that they wanted Jaden Russell to run. Um, no one needs Tazon Crow to run. If you look, he's one of the fastest hurdlers in the entire country for his age group. So no, that, that's see, not a problem. That, that's the premium information right there. Yeah, so he's not a problem. He's just got to prove it on the field because he's more athlete than football player right now. So that's kind of what they're waiting on. I have my doubts whether or not they will offer him. So I'll leave him out. I'll leave Corcoran out. I'll leave Daniel Jackson out. And right now, I would kind of leave Matthew Roberts out because I still think that they're still figuring things out how they want to proceed with him. Mm-hmm. Perfect. And then the last thing when so it that comes – that, That's three of the seven. Three of the seven. Yeah. And so so if they got four out of that ten, would you consider that a success or underperforming? Probably pretty average, right in between leaning on underperforming a little bit from what the first projections were. 
So outside of that top ten, are there any Kansas prospects, K-State fans across the state should keep an eye on that, hey, maybe they're not in that top ten right now but might prove themselves worthy of a P5 offer or maybe even ending up at K-State? Yeah, there's two that come to mind for me uh, outside the top ten. Yeah, yeah, two. Hadley Panzer, an offensive lineman at Lincoln, Kansas, and he's going to be another guy that he wants to camp over to summer because he wants a K-State offer. He's actually already got an offer by Iowa State. I don't know how legitimate that offer is. I don't know if he could call Iowa State right now and commit. I, I hope if he does, he can. You know, nothing against the kid, but uh, I don't know where they're at in terms of who they want there. But I think Hadley Panzer is a chance at K-State if he has a really good camp in June in Manhattan. The same could be said for Manhattan High offensive lineman Sam Shields. Uh, he already has a KU offer. He has okay film, really good size, pretty athletic. Uh, also the son of Jill Shields, the deputy athletic director at K-State. Shout out to Jill. She has not followed Bosco's boys back on Twitter. So, Jill, if you're listening, follow back. Um, you know, one last thing when we talk football recruiting, because some of the detractors from Chris Common have pointed out that they have one commit, and they're saying, how much better are they truly at recruiting than Bill Snyder and his previous staff? What would you say when posed with that question? Are they truly operating at a higher level despite only having that one commit, or is it closer to the same than what, you know, the – believers and dreamers would have wanted to hear. I think by and large Bill Snyder will put there by and large. I was just about to say, <laughs> did you do the by and large on purpose? <laughs> it was if we played out that way. I would think that they're chasing a better talent than what they would have landed under Bill Snyder. So if they can end up landing that then that that's why they're doing better. They're, they're more in the game for it. There's a talent pool of about 30 guys that they're chasing that they wouldn't come close to landing a year ago. Maybe they could get one or two a year ago, but they wouldn't land 10 or 12. This year they have a chance to land 10 or 12 of that. So they're going to land. of that. So they would be able to land a talent, a talented player like that before, but just not several. Their process and their, their tactics and their aggression and their work ethic in that particular department right now is making it possible and realistic to land several of those types of players. Like, take Lance Robinson, for example. This class, this, the prior staff land him, really good recruit. They beat out some really good schools with for him. Um, especially at the end, they held off TCU, and he had five five offers right before signing it. I think the difference between the last half and this staff, last half landed Lance Robinson, and this staff can probably land 10 or 15 guys the caliber of him. And I think that's where the difference lies. And that's why I think even though you don't have the immediate results right now, you're going to get to that point. And I don't know how immediate that will be. I don't know if that's this year, next month, next year, two years from now. I don't know. They're fighting an image problem um, because they no one knows about K-State because they failed to market the program appropriately. That's going to beat the devil. I think everyone knows that. Secondly, they're being negatively recruited against some fairly 
so they knew that this was going to come. Other schools telling the recruits that these kids are trying to get, but they also want to have hey, do you really want to be Chris Kleiman's guinea pig at the FBS level? And some school, some kids are going to listen to that and think about it and consider life. Well, it's going to be an interesting ride. The, the last thing I lied, this is the final football recruiting question. What timeline would you expect for the next recruit? And if you're willing to throw a name or two out there, who would be on commit watch? Uh, you know, probably just who they're going to have at the spring game. Well, it's not spring game, spring showcase. You know, look at two guys. We already put it out there at the visiting um, for the immediate future. Chris Vaughn, running back of Texas. Excuse me. Um, he'll be on campus. They've offered him. They really want him. They really need running backs. And then tied in Christian Moore out of California. He's making it. It's an unofficial visit. He's visiting all the way from California on his own diet. Now, he doesn't have any other F or Power 5 offers. Uh, so I don't know if you could say, well, it's a huge recruiting win. But if he's going to have K-State as his only offer, K-State really wants him. They need tight ends. And he's going to fly all the way from California to Kansas on his own diet. And you got to think that it's pretty serious. Definitely. And uh, as always, stay tuned at KSO. Again, you know, we've been saying it literally since the very first episode. It's the only spot that I would even consider paying for premium information. Um, you know, the message board is a little crazy. I like to troll on there. So if you guys want to watch me, you know, perfect my art, you know, come to KSO. So we're going to wrap up with a little bit of basketball talk. Um, just because, hey, you know, why not? I have you. I'm going to keep using you. Um, the freshman who was redshirting, good news, Kapagel, Kapangel, I can't really, I don't know, I never learned. But so he transferred out, and, you know, that was a little surprising to me, even though looking back on it, you guys laid the breadcrumbs out there. Was there, did you ever uncover really why that happened? Was it just something that, hey, he was in for a semester and both sides knew it just wasn't going to be a long-term fit? Oh, really? I don't think that they knew going in that it wasn't going to be a long-term fit, but I think they found out pretty quickly that it wasn't going to be a fit. It just never seemed like it was working well. Um, I hate to look at body language, but it never looked right. And so when the time came, I can't say that it was a major shock. And I, and I know we'll probably... Yeah. What the follow-up questions will be, so I kind of hit on it. There probably will be more after good news. I, I don't know exactly who it's going to be specifically. Uh, everyone can make their educated guesses, obviously. Think about who didn't play. Yeah, exactly. And, again, these are college kids, so I won't press you too much on that. But there is that one spot open, and, you know, smart people would guess there might be at least one more opening. Who are the targets that – a, Cake State is really going after for those one or two spots, and who are maybe the most gettable guys that we might be able to bring in? I think one of the guys they want the most and the most gettable is probably Caleb Grill, the guard out of Mays, Kansas. Is that a Mays, Kansas? Yes, yes. Yeah. What do you think about Mays, Kansas? Uh, what do I think? I actually think it's, uh, you know, the – better looking version of Wichita uh, yeah well and I'm basing that only off of I went to Washington Rule we played Maze quite a bit in basketball and I'm just gonna say you know the people who came from Maze were better looking than the folks that were coming from Wichita so oh shout out Caleb Grill yeah so shout out to Caleb Grill so um, you know that's what I think of it granted I don't do a lot of time in Wichita or Maze at all so it's not a 
that's a very uneducated, you know, what, nine-year, you know, guess of what I think about Mays, Kansas. They have so. some really pretty good junior and senior classes there, Mays and Mays South both. There's a couple football players, Cody Fayette, Travion Mitchell, and and Previn Kristen there that I like as, you know, good preferred walk-on candidates too. So that's an area that's really picking up all of a sudden in terms of talent, but I think Kale Grill... You know, he picked South Dakota State over Texas Tech originally, and Texas Tech was a national title. So, you know, recruiting is kind of weird sometimes. Texas Tech really wanted that kid. Texas Tech went to the national championship, and he still lost to South Dakota State for a recruit. So recruiting's kind of funky. Um, he decommitted, opened up his recruitment, whatever you want to call it, from South Dakota State once T.J. Otzelberger, which was Fred Hoiberg's top assistant at Iowa State. <laughs> Otzelberger was the head coach of South Dakota State, and he took the UNLV job. UNLV's hanging around for grill. Might get an official visit. Iowa State might get an official visit during the. (laughs) They're they're in it. I want Kansas kids to stop going to Iowa State. (laughs) Creighton's probably on the outside looking in. I think it's really Iowa State, UNLV, and K State. K State, I think, is going to get them on campus first in terms of the official visits, and that'll be on April 22nd. Um, Word tells me Caleb Grill also dates the sister of Denzel Goolsby. So. I think that's a little bit of an end, too. So the fact that they get the visit before he has a chance to see Iowa State and UNLV, I like K-State's chances. Perfect. And then uh, we're going to project out a little bit into 2020. So going to be seniors, Austin Trice, McCall Maywean, Xavier Sneed, and then also any you know possible grad transfers who play the four, five. And I guess Xavier Sneed's listed as a four, but he's really that wing. But – there really is that need to find contributors in the post and at the four in the long-term version. Um, is it as dire as I'm making it out in my head? And do you believe in this Bruce putting enough work into those positions in the 2020 class? Yeah, I, th- I think he is. I think that the, you know, the perfect stretch floor in the 2020 class would be Ben Carlson really out of Minnesota. And he's, I think he's a top 50 player now, or top 75 on, on the rivals. Uh, class of 2020 rankings, and that's going to be a tough one again. We got a feather in half, the sister being a volleyball player at Kansas State. So, um, going to take a big swing. Ben Carlson kind of fits that. Um, the Ryan Kalkbrenner is a five that they offer at a St. Louis. They like Luke Kasuki at a St. Louis. So, um, they had Silas Mason, a guard down North Carolina on campus already. So, they've already kind of put in the beginning touches on this class. The guy they probably targeted and prioritized and pursued the hardest is Kasuki, which I think is probably a three, maybe a four and a pinch. Well, that'll be uh, something good to follow. I don't have anything left on my wonderful outline. Um, So before we leave, just plug everything KSO is doing and what can we look at or look forward to you guys in the official offseason. I, I kind of consider, you know, post-basketball season offseason, but with as much as work you guys are putting in on spring football, I guess the true offseason doesn't start until Sunday for you. Yeah, was this probably going to, what, a post a week from now? So we're going to drop it on Tuesday. Tuesday is our release date all offseason. The Boneheads can look forward to one episode every week, every Tuesday. And spring, spring showcase coverage will probably be wrapped up by then, I would imagine. Probably doing like post-spring depth chart kind of stuff and looking, you know, at, at what to expect for the fall. So 
I would count on that. I would count on an immense amount of football recruiting coverage because April 15th is the beginning of the, the spring evaluation period where coaches can nag in, hit the road. They will hit the road every day that they can, take every evaluation day they can. Um, so that'll be probably front and center on the site for quite a bit. Um, furthermore, after that, I think we're going to check out some junior college programs um, in the near future. That might happen as soon as, if you're listening to this next week, it'll be this week. If you're listening, so, yeah. Sorry for recruiting so or recording so far in advance. Oh no, no, that's fine. So I'm, I'm just trying to think. And then basketball recruiting, she would be heating up quite a bit more because if this is, you know in six days, then Caleb Grills' visit is probably approaching pretty quickly. And Pat Andrew is going to be the transfer from Lehigh in the same bets. And where did he visit first? Was it? Ver- well, he has a visit. Well, he'll be, he visits. Yeah. Three days ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I visited North Carolina State. Okay. So hopefully, by the time you're listening to this, hopefully he's not still committed. uncommitted. Yeah. <laughs> so that's going to be one to watch. Um, Derek, I, I can't, you know, tell you how much I appreciate you coming out here today. Um, you know, everyone, again, I'll say it again, KSO is the only spot uh, K-State fans need to be visiting. Um Say you're active on Twitter. You're always doing some good read t- tweets. We're talking about ESPN Plus. We get super in depth on Twitter. Uh, you know, I appreciate all your work. Um, I think Matt would tell you to tell the Boneheads to tell their friends. Right? You should tell your friends. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, and you know how we always end it. We just wanted to say we appreciate the Boneheads. We're over a year strong. And uh, not to throw too much shit on your guys' podcast, but I'm pretty sure we get like 30 times the listeners you guys. So we're, we're, we're the best. We're best in the world, and that's because of the Boneheads. We love you guys. Grant, if he was here, he would say meet me at the Cat Head. Um, so, you know, stay tuned. We're going to have a fun off season. Sports car. Got no stress. I've been through all that.
Network.